Praise the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Amen. I sound like Kelly now. <laughs> We're going to put him on a mic when we get to the thunder part and the earthquake part. Praise God. Good to see everybody this morning. So glad you're here. A lot of fresh faces. and We're certainly glad to see that. Glad you could take this time out and be with us together. We're going to celebrate the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Oh, praise God. The Lamb of God. You know, it always gets me in Revelation. You say, where is the line of the tribe of Judah? And they turned and it's a Lamb of God. He has both names. But he is both. He's all we'll ever need. Praise God. Hi, Rick. I hadn't said hi to y'all. I saw you there a while ago and didn't get a chance. And uh, Anyway, good, good to see you this morning. We're going to celebrate this time together. Uh, the single most important day there is in Christendom. Because of... Um, because, what? What is it? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the resurrection. <laughs> she really wasn't late on her cue because she was ahead of the rest of you. <laughs> Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time together. Holy Spirit, we thank you for just being here in a super presence of the Lamb of God, the Lord of glory. We thank you for directing each word fine-tuning it to the ear of each person that you've given ears to hear. We thank you, Lord, for everyone in this building. We thank you for everyone on YouTube. Any, any time that they're ever viewing this message, that you anoint that then also. Jesus, most of all, we just thank you. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we picked a rather unusual title for today's message. Is there really only one way to heaven? Is there really only one way? This is a very controversial question in the culture today. And actually, it's questionable in some places that call themselves Christian churches. Uh, so anyway, we're going to get right into it. I'm not going to give it all the way up front. <laughs> I'm going to take you through a few things today. I think you'll enjoy this ride. Uh, we're going to question that statement, and we're going to see what God will do with it. Many people ask, you Christians, oh, well, let me rephrase that. Many of you Christians say that Jesus is the only way, or the only, only way to heaven, only way to God. What did I pause just then? Because there are denominations right now that are splitting over this issue and others associated with it. They're coming, one denomination's already pretty much split, people have pulled out of it, another one's had 130 churches pull out of it. There's even some churches that identify with the name Christian who are on different sides of this issue than what we may, may be. A lot of Christians, when they're asked that question, they just say, well, John 14, 6 says that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. He's the only way to the Father, or nobody comes to the Father except through Him. But, you know, a lot of people don't take the Bible for what it is. And they'll, they'll hear that statement, and they'll say, well, that, that's what the Bible says. And people who believe the Bible to be what it is will certainly take offense to that sometimes when we get a little riled up. But at the same time, we need to be able to touch the lives of other folks. We need to be able to get into their world and see what is going on. What are they thinking? What are they thinking? Why has the church not been effective in reaching them? They'll say something like, you know, well, the Bible is written by men, and they'll get into another tangent way down the road, has nothing to do with the present conversation, and certainly has no theological belief to it. Maybe um, that person was watching Oprah. Yeah? yeah. There's a video of her that's been going around for several years where she says emphatically, uh, 
that there are many ways to the same God. And she has a pretty big following. Um, maybe um, you've heard somebody say, well, if, if I'm a good person and I've done good things and my neighbor thinks I'm a good person, then I know the Lord is okay with me. Uh, some of them say, well, you know, I've done a lot for people. Um, I gave a little girl the other day a lunch, free lunch, and I've done this and I've done that. Well, uh, you know, we have a lot of things that are coming out of the culture. A lot of times I have heard that Allah and Yahweh uh, are the same God. And uh, they put them together. Well, you know, Christianity and Islam are just basically the same. I've heard one guy say, well, Islam is the, the same thing to the New Testament as the New Testament is the Old Testament. So there's a lot of things that people will say and most of them haven't checked anything out. They haven't investigated anything. They haven't done anything to, to search, is this true or is it not true? Whether it is true or not true, then that needs to be determined for us if it's as important as what it should be, like the next place. Let's do a little investigation. I'm going to skip past the atheists and the agnostics because intelligent design overwhelmingly proves that there was at least a big bang. In other words, the universe had a beginning. And because it's designed like it is, and that's a real cause to get into the, all the intricacies of that and the science of that. Because of that, then we're just not uh, amoeba or we're just not a cell that just a hmm, few million years or billion years turned into a, a person. So uh, this, this will kind of leave you folks behind you if you're an atheist or agnostic for this day and this time and this message, but we're willing to talk to you. In fact, we would welcome your conversation. Uh, I'll just mention real quick here, uh, we're starting 12-week Wednesday night in June with a topic called IDHEFTBAA. And for those of you that are taking notes, that stands for, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. So that's going to be a 12-week course starting on Wednesday nights here in the church building. And we will love to have you as a part of that. We, it's a whole curriculum that's been developed by uh, uh, Frank Turek and his crew. And uh, well, Norman Geisler also years ago. And Frank Turk wrote the book, and they've updated a few things. And it's got complete videos and, and a lot of things uh, having to do with some, like the, the creation and things like that, that we can, we can really get together and talk about. But in the meantime, let's go back to the subject at hand. Most people believe in an intelligently designed universe. And so that's the reason we're just going to talk to those of you who believe that there is some kind of a God out there. Um, we'll consider the following in our time today. Uh, several things that people do agree on. My encouragement is that everyone would search out anything that I say and open it up to further investigation. This is not intended to be comprehensive. <laughs> this is a lot, more, a lot less than that, if you would. We're hitting high points. We're giving you an appetizer. We're encouraging you to get into the Word of God yourself. And there's many other study materials that are very, very helpful uh, after you've done some soul searching. So briefly today, what we're going to do is look at the world's three largest religions and several beliefs that they have in common. And I'm just going to uh, pick three of those that uh, probably most people would consider because these are going to be the three largest on planet Earth. If any of these three are found to be lacking, then we're talking about a false god in them. Amen. So here's what they agree on. Man is the center. After all, everyone knows that he or she has committed sins. If anyone hasn't sinned, well, they can be God. Okay? It's a good place to say amen. Now, they all agree if there is a genuine God, He is love, He's just, and He's holy. Now, of course, there's a lot of other attributes that could be placed uh, in which they agree. Uh, like, for instance, heaven 
if you want to call it heaven, has to be pure. It's not going to be like this earth is. It's not going to be a mixture of things. It's going to be a, a state of perfection. Man is helpless to get to heaven by himself. Whether it's a road, a path, or some way to fly there, drive there, whatever, man needs help to get there. They all agree on that. They, are, they all agree that there must be a purging or forgiveness or something similar in order to make this trip to the divine. Most of all, except for Christianity, they have an earned path. Christianity says that you cannot earn it, but it's a free gift from God. First of all, Hinduism, almost a billion people on the planet Earth are Hindus. It's willing to include almost any religion. Uh, what it basically has various forms of pantheism, it's willing to accept Buddha, Jesus, Allah, or any, almost any other god. One of the most famous of all Hindus was Mahat Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, who acknowledged the inability of his religion to atone for sin. Despite his moral lifestyle and his good works, he admitted, and I quote, it is a constant torture to me that I am still so far from him who I know to be my very life and being. I know it is my own wretchedness and wickedness that keeps me from him. Wouldn't that be quite a dilemma? This admission of the lack of atonement is imperative for anyone to receive forgiveness and dismiss their sins in order to attend heaven and keep the impurities of their dark soul from spoiling its state of perfection. In other words, take a mess out of this place, take sin to heaven, and it becomes just like earth. Islam. Again, many people, including some Christians, say that Muslims and Christians worship the same God. Islam recognizes Jesus as a prophet and as a good teacher. The following quotation may be found on messageinternational.org, a recognized website promoting Islam. Once we recognize the importance of character and the necessity of cultivating specific traits, we then emphasize our relationship with the creation as an extension of our relationship with Allah. Based on numerous quotes of the Quran and authentic hadith, we are presented with an Islamic worldview that connects us in character, mind, and heart to both the Creator and the creation with numerous examples. Be merciful to other people and Allah will be merciful to you. Spend in charity on others and Allah will spend, provide or bless on you. Give food and drink to those who need it and Allah will quench your thirst on the day of judgment. And protect you, conceal the faults of other people in certain situations as there are important exceptions. And Allah will conceal your faults in this life and the next. Conceal your thoughts. Alleviate the hardships of other human beings, and Allah will alleviate your hardships. Pardon and forgive others, and Allah will pardon and forgive you. These are just some of the many examples that demonstrate how good character connects us with in a beneficial way, both to the creation and to the Creator. Well, one problem is salvation by works. Problem number two there's no atonement for sin. There's no eradication. There's no person or media or way that they could take the punishment of that sin for that person so that they can be forgiven and walk in forgiveness to others. Think all, that most of us will agree that bad deeds deserve punishment. Well, maybe some of today's politicians don't think so, but that's another topic of the day. Allah forgives, but there's no punishment for sins, thus no justice. And let's take my favorite, yours too, Christianity. Man is rebelled from God and born a criminal. Jesus was born of a virgin. 
he was impregnated, she was impregnated, Mary was, by the Holy Spirit. Jesus grew up 100% sinless. He performed miracles, and he was raised from the dead. In the book, Person of Interest, a fairly new publication by J. Warner Wallace, a cold case detective or investigator, as well as an apologist, he shows the truth of Jesus without using the Bible. He said, this book is based upon what happens if every New Testament in the world just disappears overnight. Every New Testament's gone. Would you still be able to prove that Jesus ever existed, much less that he rose from the dead? Well, he rightly proves with a 99.99% accuracy using forensic science, investigating what he calls the fuse. Uh, that's the things that lead up to the event. The event and then the fallout. That's the way he goes back and solves these crimes that are 20, 30 years old if the, he, all he, when all he has is the event. There's a fuse leading up to the event. And there's fallout after the event. And if you study the fuse and the fallout, you'll get to the story of the event. He said, without the New Testament, these are just some of the following fields that he's displayed. The involvement of people connected as the father or originator of these fields. I'm just going to give you a few of them. There's a lot more than this. Science. So many areas of my... He, he breaks down science into scores of different areas and showing that the father or originator or someone who made tremendous uh, roads forward in those areas were Christians. Mathematics, ditto. Scientific philosophies, regional sciences, medicine, electricity and associated fields, cars, airplanes, computer sciences, engineering and technology, and so many more. As well, he notes that there are other fields, fields, did I say that right? Fields? F-I-E-L-D-S, for those of you who are making notes. To see his lasting influence, two-thirds of all Nobel Prize winners have been Christians. Art, Jesus is by far the person that's most personified in artwork, regardless if you talk about paintings or statuary or whatever. Architecture, just think of the hospitals, the church buildings, the universities that speak of Jesus or the Bible. Academia and education, and see, academia, academia and education, if you go back and study a little bit, you'll see that of these universities that were maybe started in the 17th, 18th, 19th century, they have buildings there today with some type of Christian understanding in, on an ongoing basis. <laughs> it's in the front of them or on the sides of them or inside the halls of them uh, to bring glory to God. So many of them. You know, I'm just thinking about Harvard, 1642 Principles and Precepts, that the end of your study is to know Jesus, or know God and His Son, Jesus. That's the end of your study. That's what that started out to be. Harvard was a seminary before they added other things. So was Yale, so was Princeton, and many other places. History! <laughs> Shaboom! He split it in half. Just look at your calendar. I, my calendar doesn't say 847 billion light years or whatever it is. My calendar says Jesus was born about 2,000 years ago. <laughs> the splitting of the calendar. I love it. And yes, other religions. Uh, most religions say something about Jesus. They don't say much about Buddha or Muhammad or any of the rest of these. But they all bring Jesus into the place some place. Most of them do. Why is all of this real? Because it's true. Objective truth 
always rises to reality. Objective truth is what is said or written today, and it's always been true, and it'll always be true. We live in a world of subjectivity. I don't care what you believe, but my truth is, yeah, that'll get you to hell in a handbasket. Maybe not a handbasket either. That's right. Handbasket, fire, burn. Okay, yeah. Anyway, getting ahead of myself here, letting the cat out of the bag. The reality of it is the most important single decision that anybody will ever make in this life is choosing what they're going to do or where they're going to go in the afterlife, whatever you want to call it, heaven or anything else. And people take it at a whim. People take it because some guru said this or some other person said this or that. Study it. Nabil Qureshi, a devout Muslim, and his roommate, David, I can't remember his last name right hand. They went to college together, didn't know each other, got in the same room. Three years they went to study, the Christian and the Muslim. And they decided we're going to prove one or the other before we get out of this college. And they both challenged each other. Nabil comes out and he writes a book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Why? Because he was studying objective truth, his, historicity, and he was doing things such as checking the, the manuscripts that both of them hold dear and holy, finding out which one's accurate beyond a shadow of doubt, and how many of the other ones has been the other ones been changed and changed and changed throughout history? You know, it's it's so easy when your eyes are open to the truth. But were they always open? <laughs> Mine weren't. Oh, I loved uh, as a kid. I loved Christmas and Easter. And it was Christmas, my birthday, and Easter, in that order. It's Christmas, I got a lot of gifts. My birthday, I got a few gifts. And at Easter, I got a bunch of candy to eat. Oh, yeah, number four is Halloween. Yeah. Boy, I could get on that one, but I won't. These things, objective truth and understanding, basically take us on the path to one particular topic that in my studies of other religions and Christian cults, which we didn't even talk about today, that none of them can answer this one question. I use it as a plumb line to check out what people say and what they do. And that is the fact that God is holy. Not in just what He says or what the, the book the Bible or whatever else you're going to look at, would say, because most of them say that. They talk about holy everything, you know, holy floors and holy cows and everything else. And really, holy cow is, you know, that's a, an expression in Hinduism. We thought it was Batman. I am not trying to make fun of anybody's religion I am telling the truth. <laughs> but holiness would have to be achieved to make sure that bad behavior was punished. Holiness would have to be achieved because bad behavior deserves punishment. And if God is holy, then He will demand justice. He will demand holiness. He will demand that th bad deeds are punished. He won't just say, you're forgiven. The Christian God says, you're forgiven. I can't go to the cross for any person, and there's no person, the sound of my voice or way beyond it, that can go to the cross that would help anybody else out. People with good intentions, sometimes around this time of the year, they get on the cross. 
to pay penance. My God didn't deserve that, didn't require that, I should say. Well, he didn't deserve it either. (laughs) My God didn't require that I would beat myself as in Islam, Hinduism, and many other religions. My God said, only believe. My God brought forth the most unique salvation experience for us more than man could ever devise where God himself would step out of heaven Jesus has always been always will be he's from the beginning whenever that was whatever it was took upon him the form of a servant in flesh maintaining his 100% Godhead but demonstrating himself born in a, in a stable through a natural birth and growing up as a, a young, little boy. Did y'all know Jesus got dirty when he played? Do you know Jesus pooped? Do you know that Jesus cried? I don't know how many times he stepped on a nail or put one in his hand from his daddy's carpenter shop. Splinters? Don't you just love splinters? Those little bitty things can cause more stuff. It's like... The things that he went through as a natural person while still maintaining his Godhead but not exercising that until he was 30 years of age. Never once did he sin. He didn't try drugs and alcohol and all the different things when he was a a teenager. He didn't steal. He didn't lie. Not one time his parents says, what are you doing here? We went off and left. You haven't seen you in three days. Boy, that's watching God, isn't it? (laughs) Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Jesus answered with respect to his parents, his earthly parents. But he also told the truth no matter what. Didn't want to tell a little lie to get out of trouble. Didn't even steal a piece of chewing gum if there was any. Perfect. 30 years. He was baptized in the River Jordan. The Holy Spirit came on him like a dove. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Empowered to do miracles. That's the day he stepped into his ministry. For the next three and a half years, he walked this earth. And every time the devil tried to do something, he turned it around and did something great with it. He healed those the devil had made sick or blind or lost their hearing or whatever it was. He even raised the dead. He obeyed his heavenly father and did only what his heavenly father told him to do. He prayed. He sought God. He loved people. He hugged the lepers. He reached out to the downtrodden. He cast out demons out of people. He left revivals and went to other areas because God says, okay, it's enough there. It's going. Let's go over here. Whatever his father told him to do, he did. Everything, every jot, every tittle. In other words, every T was crossed, every I was dotted. Can you imagine coming out of heaven for eons? Of course, God's outside of time, space, and matter. But, you know, time to us is a big deal for whenever. (laughs) I mean, forever. Because heaven didn't have a start. It always has been. Can you imagine coming out of this perfect place that you and I have a desire in us to reach out to and to be able to enjoy when we pass off from this life and came down to a stinky, dirty stable to have a cloth wrapped around him, didn't even have pampers. Stinky stable. Uh, hay is not very soft. People say, you know, what a hay, get hay. Hey, yeah, are you sleeping on a hay bed? I doubt it. Last time I checked, all those mattress companies didn't use hay anymore. 
If you want to practice that sometime, just get your burlap sack and put a bunch of hay in it and sleep on the floor and see how well you do. Every little thing didn't have air conditioning, didn't have all the modern conveniences, didn't have whatever they are. He took a bare bones trip through this world because, in essence, God is love. He's not just making a decision like most of these other gods would. I'm going to love them. And God doesn't ever make a decision. His essence dictates everything. He is love. He can't help but love you and me. <laughs> That's his essence. So how does love respond? Love gives. Love takes the place of. Love superimposes itself over all the obstacles and hindrances. It's not like the teenage boy that called his wife, excuse me, called his girlfriend, hoping her to be his wife when he's a little older than 18. Hey, honey, I'll be over tomorrow night and see you. I'd, call, I'd call a, climb the tall, tallest mountain. I'd swim the largest ocean just to be with you. And if it's not raining tomorrow night, I'll see you. Nothing like that. Jesus Christ then for three and a half years showed us how to live, how to treat people. He showed us how to reach out to people that are bound by their sins and the effects of sins. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what he said in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. You know that same Spirit is upon you to be a witness to the world? That same Spirit who performed those things through Jesus is looking for people that he can perform those things through? To set at liberty those that are held captive? Yes. To heal those that are brokenhearted? Yes. To reach out and touch those physically that need help? Yes. To give somebody a hug and compassion? Tell them that Jesus loves them? Yes. That is the truth of the gospel. That's the Jesus that we know. He was tempted. The first thing he did was tempted. And he went out into the desert and he fasted and prayed. For 40 days and nights, the enemy came to him three times, lost all three of them. He was tempted later. Don't think it just once or twice. The Bible says he was tempted in all measures as we've ever been tempted and didn't fail a single time. It took somebody like that operating as a person as a man, to say, I'll do it. He goes to Gethsemane, and he prays the agonizing prayer. One time he prayed the prayer, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He didn't say that every time he prayed. Well, I'm going to pray for you if it be the will of God. You should know what the will of God is. Yes. My Bible says in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2, I believe it is, that he has revealed those things to us by his spirit. He's not holding back like he did in the Old Testament because those people were not born again. They weren't filled with the spirit. They didn't have the spirit on them except for occasionally here and there. Just think about it. He agonized so hard in prayer that his face was bleeding. Can you imagine that? That was actually the first of seven different ways that he bled to give the type of the Old Testament priest when he spread the blood seven different ways. That's the Jesus Christ that I know. That's the Jesus Christ that I want to encourage you about or to open your eyes to see that he died for you. I never did understand that as a child going to church every Sunday about, well, Jesus died for, for you for your sins. I couldn't connect with that. Didn't understand it. Need somebody to help me a little bit. And I realize he died for my sins. He's a personal God. And each one of you can receive him personally. 
If you were the only one that ever sinned on the planet Earth, He would have come just for you because that's what love does. That's how love responds. This is all about forever, folks. We can choose life. We can choose death. And God has given us the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, embodied in flesh, to be able to come here. And He says, Father, if it be your will, please take this cup from me. If not, I'll do it. And He came to the point with all of His disciples passed out, that he said, I'm ready. And you know the rest of the story. He's, he's arrested. He's taken and jailed. They tear his clothes. They spit on him. They put the crown of thorns on him. They beat him. They pull like his beard out. He looks like a piece of really raw hamburger meat. We started to show a video this morning, but we, we held back on it. It's a depiction of that. My God, my Savior, as doubting Timothy, excuse me, doubting Thomas said to him later when he stuck his finger in his side, my God and my Savior. He did those things to pay for our sins, our misbehavior, if you would, my criminal actions, just like he did yours. We celebrate this time. His passion did went through these steps. Every one of them was fulfilling Old Testament prophecies and necessary items that had to be for the salvation of mankind. He didn't skip anything. He didn't forget one iota. He could have called for legions of angels to remove him from the cross and say, Dad, I give up. His flesh, I think, and I think this is, I think this is true scripturally, thinking about Adam, Jesus is also called the last Adam, that his flesh was probably a lot more sensitive than ours. He was a lot more full of life than what we are. That I think when he, he felt, he felt really a lot more than what we do. I don't know, you, you can discount that if you want to. But I think it was harder for him to go to the cross than it would be for you or me except for his determination, his ability, and his steadfastness because he loved with the love that we're still yet working on. That's my Jesus. He was perfect, sinless, never had a speeding ticket, nothing. And they killed him for it. They didn't kill him because he was lovely. He was fantastic. He loved people. He did things for them. He fed the, the thousands. He did this and he did that, opened the blind eyes and walked across the, the waters. They didn't kill him for that. They killed him because they called him a blasphemer. He's blaspheming. He is one with God. And over and over and over and over, the New Testament shows us that he said he was God. It's unmistakable. Some people say, well, he never said he was God. You just hadn't read the same book I have. It's all through the New Testament. He even prophesied of his own death, burial, and resurrection. His own, I mean, the, New, the Old Testament prophets had done that, but he did it himself. He told his disciples, you know, this must happen, that I go and just like Jonah and the whale who's in the belly of the whale for three days and nights. I will come out of the ground after three days and nights. I will rise again, he said. Yes. Praise God. Yes. All of this, folks, you know, you may say, well, I've heard this before. Huh. I tell you what, it better be fresh like you've just heard it for the first time. Yes. Yes. My gosh. Yes. What he did. Yes. What he did for us. He had the Last Supper, which was uh, a type of the Passover. And there he, he did some things. And uh, Kelly's going to read some scripture out of Matthew talking about that particular time. Kelly, if you would, please.
Matthew 26, 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Oh, surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of God. The Son of Man, pardon me. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and we had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. We're going to receive communion in just a couple of minutes. Everybody's invited to partake of that as long as Jesus Christ is your Lord and you're born again. I want to say three things in closing. Tell the truth, Dan, the pre-closing. First of all, please allow me to say that some people who call themselves Christians are no more than agnostics. We need to win them over. These are those who say that there are other ways to heaven rather than through Jesus only. So as Jesus instructed us, beware of false teachers. Number two, the truth of heaven is sealed. The truth of hell is sealed. No one dies. We simply walk through the door into eternity. That's when our flesh gives out. Those who repent now by acknowledging they have sinned and put their complete trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for them shall be born from above and walk through eternity's door to heaven. The scriptures say that when you're born again, you, you enter into life eternal. It's not when you get to heaven. You're already in it. It's just a little different state there because he puts his spirit in you and creates in you a new spirit. Those who refuse to do so will walk through the door of eternal death being separated from God and His glory forever and ever. That place is called hell. And it is for refusing to extinguish your sins and accepting the payment that was paid by the blood of Jesus Christ being shed. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. 100% of hell... And the devil and his angels will be thrown into the lake of fire as a final prison for all of eternity. That's real, folks. Today's the day of salvation. Salvation's freely offered us as a gift from Jesus Christ. We could never earn it, pay for it, wish it in, Work it in, never, nothing. Jesus plus nothing is what we're looking for. Jesus plus anything is nothing.
Would you bow with me, please? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this time together, Lord, for this special time of what you're doing in our lives of people all across this building, this city, this country, this world. Thank you, Father, that you convict by your Spirit people of the need for salvation. That you show them, those who have been deceived and, well, I'm a Christian, but don't really understand it and really probably never even made sure that they know that they're definitely going to heaven when they leave this earth. And even still enjoy such a wonderful, abundant life here on this planet. So, Father, I ask you to convict those who need to bring Jesus into their hearts and lives, that they repent of their sins, they change their thinking, and that they put their total trust in Jesus as he walks in them and talks to them each and every day. And people right here today, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, if you have never made Jesus the boss or Lord of your life, or you're not sure that you would actually be able to go to heaven when you leave this earth, this most important decision I give to you today. And I ask you, if you're in this building, raise your hand right now. We want to pray with you that you want eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you're on video watching this, then right there where you are, you can do the same thing right there. You can pray and put your trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess Jesus as Lord, you shall be saved. Make no bones about it. Anybody here in this room today who wants to make Jesus Christ your Lord, please raise your hand and we will pray with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, praise God. Okay, would you stand up with me, please? They're going to be passing out the elements for communion. I know a lot of you like to kind of uh, gather together in your family or group. You're more than welcome to do that. Uh, Grab somebody else and invite them to come with you. Or we'll just uh, make sure that we we see and recognize you. Thank you, sir. These are little cute ones here. Don't open it yet. Praise God. Kelly just read in the book of Matthew about what we call the Last Supper. That was also the First Communion. I want to read three verses again. Matthew 26, 27, Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 29 and this is a verse that's way too often overlooked. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. There is a day coming when we'll fly out of this place the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we will be carried off to heaven. And there will be a Supper, a celebration supper like you've never thought possible. It's the Lamb's Supper. And at that time, Jesus will once again drink the fruit of the vine with us. Kelly, would you bless the elements, please? Father, we thank you for the bread and the wine. We thank you, Father, for what each represent, the body and the blood. The body broken, the blood poured out. Father, there are no words that can adequately describe, but we so thank you for it. We thank you for the the body. We thank you for the blood. 
And we glorify you. And we honor you. And we're so thankful in Jesus' name. You may open. Amen. Be sure that you have the grape juice on the bottom. Open the top where the little wafer is. Actually, they say this is bread. looks like a cracker to me. But Anyway, Pastor Kelly. Thank you, Father. We take this bread, we lift it to you, and we say thank you. Thank you for the body that was broken for us. We partake. Then flip it over. You may remove the seal. Pastor Kelly. And Father, for the blood that was shed on Calvary, the blood, Father, that poured from your body to set us free, to cover, and to completely take care of the cost. Far beyond us. And we thank you and bless you, Father, for the shedding of blood to cover and to take care of sin, my sin, all sin. And we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. They'll collect these on your way out. Please be seated. Everything that Jesus said, offered, and commanded is what Christianity is about. Easter is all about celebrating his death, his burial, his resurrection. He died in our place. He was buried to sin just like we can be. He was raised from the grave never to die again so that we can identify with new life in Him and to prove that everything He said, everything He offered, everything He commanded would be sealed for us to believe and enter the eternal life for which He lives forever. It's called the resurrection. The resurrection is the single most provable event and ancient history. Christianity hinges upon the resurrection. The resurrection is something that Jesus did to gain power over the enemy and to put death to close its mouth. There's a story I've told it a little different than this before once. But this goes back into an old country many years ago, about a king who was in charge of a large country. And one of his assistants came to him one morning, king sitting there on the crown, being like a king. Assistant says, Your Highness, Your Highness, it's awful. There's, there, there's a lot of theft going on in the city. People are, are being robbed. They're being robbed at night when they sleep, and people, somebody's coming into their house. We had two or three reports of that this last week. The king says, go, find the culprit, and when you find them, make sure they pay back everything that they've stolen, and they receive ten lashes. Pretty strict penalty. But the king, being a just king, wanted to make sure that he put a stop on that right now. Time goes on. Two weeks later, the same assistant comes back to the king and says, Your Highness, the thieving is still going on. People's homes are still being broken into. The, the thievery has escalated. He said, I want them. Find them now. Bring them to me. They will have to pay back everything they've taken. And two, 20 lashes for that person. 20 lashes. Boy, he raised the ante. 20 lashes is like, I'm sure that they can withstand that. He carried out the orders. The king is waiting in anxiously to see who this person was. About a week or so later, the same person comes to him and says, Your Highness, we found the person that was taking the money and the other goods from people. He said, okay, 
bring him here. And the, call, and the uh, assistant says, Your Highness, it's your teenage son. Bring him here. They brought the teenage son before the king. He's trembling, knowing that his father is the ruler of this whole place, and he's the one that's been stealing. And the king says, do you admit this? And the young boy said, yes. I took it all. I'm so sorry. Nevertheless, the word of the king is spoken. You'll have to replace everything, and you'll receive 20 lashes. Prepare for the lashing. And the teenage boy starts to lean over, embrace himself for 20 lashes. And the man to lashing draws back. Cat and Iron tells on the end of it to grab the, the flesh off this boy's back and to rip it apart. The king says, hold it just a minute. The king comes down off his throne and he covers the boy's back. Start the lashing. That's a picture of the king, Jesus Christ, that suffered for us. I'm going to one more time. I don't think I've ever done this before. But I'm going to open it up one more time for anyone who needs Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Would you please bow your heads? On YouTube, here in this building, I want you to be sure that you're sure that you're sure that you know Jesus Christ. You open your heart to Him and you trust only in Him. Not this church, not even the Bible. You trust in Jesus. The Bible will lead you to Him. He is the only one who was holy enough to be able to bear the punishment that you deserve. The only one in all of eons of history that could do that. I just ask you right now, if there's any doubt in your mind, if you've never made this decision, we want to pray with you right now. Please raise your hand so I can see it. Raise it up real high. If you're on YouTube, right there where you are, same goes for you. Go ahead and raise your hand at home. Go ahead and raise your hand. Anyone in this building? One more time. Anyone? We're going to pray a prayer. And this prayer is meaningless without believing it. It's meaningless without putting your trust in Jesus. It's meaningless with just trying to say words or quote scripture. It's meaningless unless you believe with all your heart that I am a sinner and I have got to repent and change my life and Jesus Christ will empower me to do it and I will trust Him and Him only by His Spirit to lead me, guide me, teach me, train me and to take me from my past into the newness of new life in Jesus Christ. Let us pray together. Would you please repeat after me? Dear God in heaven, I am sorry for my sins. I've done my own stuff. But now I want to do your stuff. I will obey by your grace to worship Jesus and to be the one that you've called me to be. I love you and I thank you so much that I'm saved by grace in the Son of God. And I shall follow you all the days of my life. And I thank you for that free gift. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Pastor Kelly, come on up. Just give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. Oh, what joy, what joy, what joy, what joy, hallelujah, joy of the Lord, hallelujah. We just thank the Lord for His full work, full work in Christ. 
his full work. Hallelujah. Everyone say full work. Hallelujah. His heart is that we be full. We be filled. We be complete. Look at your neighbor and say being complete. Hallelujah. We are complete in him and only in him. In fact, God's word says in John 3.16, and I know this sounds a little different for an offering, but, you know, just after such a powerful prayer of those receiving Christ Jesus, it says in the Amplified, for God so greatly loved, everyone say greatly, loved and dearly prized the world, wow, that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever, what? Believes. Pastor Dan talked of what? Believe. You've got to believe. Those who believe and trust in him as Savior and Lord shall not perish. Everyone say, shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the promise from above. Hallelujah. We stand upon that truth. And as you give today, remember God's word says that he loved so greatly and greatly prized those on the earth that he gave. And so out of that great gift... We give our everything. We give out of our time. We give out of our love. We give out of our finances. We give in every dimension of our life. We don't compartmentalize God. He is the center of our lives. Amen. And so when you give, give with that truth. Give with that understanding. And remember, when we give, yeah, according to the slides behind me, uh, you can give those different ways, whether it's texting, whether it's online, uh, whether it's the uh, envelope there in the back and putting it in the slot there. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, we have uh, the opportunity for us to uh, fill out and co those Connect cards. We call them Connect cards. They're on the coffee table there in the back, and uh, put any prayer requests that you have, uh, anything that you have, and put anything that you have on them regarding that, drop them in the offering box, you know, on the way out today, um, and then I want to refer you, we are in the need of some greeters, we've gotten a few who said they're willing, we need a few more, so if you have that stirring to, uh, to greet people on Sunday mornings, uh, let us know, let Brad myself know, you know, that uh, we would be glad to have you as a part of that. Uh, Wednesdays, everyone say Wednesdays. Wednesdays. This, this uh, Wednesday, we're going to continue the, the series Worldview, and it's going to be part nine. It's been a very eye-opening time, and I invite you to come. And then starting in May, everyone say the month of May. You might say, oh, that's a long way off. No, I, I remind you, today is the 17th of April. We're already past halfway in April. So in less than two weeks, we're going to have May, okay? And so in May, I'd like to have Tim come up briefly and share what he's going to be share, uh, doing on Wednesday nights. Yeah. On Wednesday nights in May, um, I'm going to be talking about Kingdom Entrepreneurs. Now, most people probably, when you hear that term, you think strictly of business. It's more than business. Kingdom entrepreneurs are um, are those who are going to um, forcibly advance God's kingdom by impacting culture. And when I say culture, I'm talking about seven kingdoms. And I'll briefly tell you what those kingdoms are because then you'll be able to figure out it's more than business. Those include religion, family, education, business, media, art and entertainment, and government. Everybody in this room represents one or more of those. So we're all kingdom entrepreneurs. I will be talking about developing organizations, but I'll also be talking about individuals, individually being a kingdom entrepreneur. So it's more than just business, and it'll be a lot different than what the normal Wednesday nights are, but I believe that everybody will be blessed by it, and it'll also help the church. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, let's stand this morning. I want to let you know that we have someone to take care of your empty communion cups on your way out this morning. But before we grow, we're going to be singing one more song. So let's just uh, be thankful to God for all that has taken place this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord in song. Amen. And then you're dismissed. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout of praise on this resurrection day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to speak blessing, go out with joy, be led forth with peace, and glorify God this week in his glory. Hallelujah. You are dismissed. <laughs>